0: Welcome back to Insurance Happy Hour. I'm Becky. I'm be later. <laughs> you're not sure? Not today.
1: <laughs> you
0: have an existential crisis?
1: <laughs> I, I feel. I feel. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a bird. Um, no, I have no clue. I'm just in a good mood today. Well, that's good. I don't know why. It's better always than last better. Week. It's always better when you're in a
0: good mood. When you're not, I try to avoid you. Yes. Well, it's uh, it's been a little bit about. Uh, I've been in town. You have been. I have noticed since I've been back now, what um, six weeks or so, mm-hmm. that I think you've only traveled once, maybe yeah. twice since I've been back. Exactly, and it's June, and, and, and they're like short. It's like one day
1: trips. Yes, what's going yep. on? You know, it's I, I. I traveled a lot in my previous little gig, and I've been enjoying being here in Dallas um it, it's it goes towards the whole absentee owners is that uh, you can't be around you, you can't be gone and affect change and so whenever it's like well i you know I got the you know oh you could go to that one you could go to this one oh it's a good one i i, I trust I trust everybody to go do it and so now i'm like okay, I will go to the ones that you guys need me there so you need to ask me if you need me there and i've I guess nobody needed me. I feel
0: like. <laughs> you found out that we really could do it without oh, you. Oh,
1: <laughs> I feel so manual anymore. Yeah.
0: yeah um,
1: it's, uh, it's been fun, but uh, we will be going to um, uh, Elevate this week. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: you, me, and Justin, I believe, are
1: all going. Yeah. And uh, I, I believe we were going to give the old college try. To actually uh, record, uh, have our uh, do a record a podcast while we're there. It's going to
0: be an interesting experiment. So, if you are listening, just
1: as this is our our you know, generally we talk about this at the end, but today I was so excited that we decided to do it. If you're uh, at Elevate uh, next week, um, make sure you uh, talk to us, and we'll we'll see if we can slam you in. But you've you've got to be a subscriber. I'm going to check your phone. I'm going to say <laughs> are you subscribe to the Insurance Happy Hour podcast on all of our little. The majors of uh, podcast social, I guess. Yes, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a good week. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, next week. I'm kind of looking forward to maybe maybe taking a little bit of time off. Uh, you're like, what? Not my normal November sabbatical.
0: You're going to take time off in the summer?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna find like I think it's going to be like you know Alaska or the Arctic Circle or something just to get away from this heat.
0: Yeah, uh, a- that, I, I'm looking forward to going to Cleveland just for that. It's got to be cooler there than it is
1: here. <laughs> I, I know, but what's going to happen, and we, we did this once, we were in Michigan in like, uh, like April one year, and um, we were up there and it was hotter there by like 20 degrees than back in Dallas. And it's, it's one of those uh, things I always ask is like um, last week was the uh, FAIA, the Florida um, agent show, and they always have it in the dead center of summer. Now there's two masters there. There's the, Hey, everybody wants to go golfing. And I'm like, why would you ever want to do a golfing event in the middle of Miami or middle of Florida in Orlando? In the middle of summer, I mean, it's miserable. I mean, it, it's not even worth it. And then they have uh, up in Michigan, they have uh, golf tournaments in January. It's like, can, why? Can you flip them? Can you bring the Michigan one? But I do know that, um, I mean, half the FAIA show is people with. Um, they bring their uh, kids. kids and all yeah. that type of stuff, which is cool. And they turn it into a family affair. Uh, exactly. And so but uh, yeah I didn't I didn't go this year so it's uh, I'm I'm feeling you know that You feeling okay? I'm, that you missed out on I it. Know, this you don't, don't like got a little FOMO? FOMO. Jesus. <laughs> I, you know someone wrote that one day and I felt old the fact that I had to go look it up and then it was meta that I, <laughs> that I was I'm, I'm like I'm like I'm like okay what is uh, I go to Urban Dictionary and type in FOMO and it goes fear of missing out I'm like mother god what (laughs) i'm like wow okay well i i have effectively (laughs) answered the question not only literally but figuratively as well so yeah
0: yeah well to to bring this back around to (laughs) elephants, after i after i try to stop thinking about you having to google fomo um (laughs) <laughs> i missed out last year I, I, I could start it with another f word let <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not um but i missed out on the first elevate last year because mm-hmm. i was on vacation so i didn't get to go and i was i was a little upset about it i, w- I was really w- i thought it was an interesting event and wanted to go and didn't get to go so i'm excited to go this year one um to to hear the conversations that are going to be happening to elevate because you know i think it's it's different agents than we sometimes see. Um, but if I'm going to be honest, what I'm really looking forward about going to elevate, it's getting a full night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how, how, how does dear husband think about that? I don't think he's, he's very looking forward to having three kids by himself,
1: three girls,
0: three girls by himself for a couple nights, but I'm really looking forward to getting a full night's sleep
1: now. And it, it, it'll, it'll be fun. And it's, uh, we always, you know, when we go to the shows, like we, we not we're not agents, we, right? We go to the shows for different reasons and it's really fun to go to shows and, and, Elevate's not the only one that really focuses on the, the marketing side. Cause that's kind of like, you know, my hidden passion, your obvious passion is that you love talking, working, doing marketing, sales and marketing and all that. And, um, so it's it's cool to go to shows that have a little bit more focus on that right, and you know then the other side of it is the the other set of shows that I love going to, and that's all the insure tax right because uh, there's uh, dig in there's um, did De- you go to dig in this year no i didn't it always uh, conflicts with another show in Chicago that was you know, oh yeah yeah. So I, I, I wasn't able to do that, but then they have, they, they have all these other shows that are focused on autonomous cars that a lot of agents go, don't go to. You see a lot of, um, people from carriers there, but it's not the normal people from carriers. And, uh, it's, it's really where you're going in there and it was like, Oh, I've never heard of you guys. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, we, we work with you guys a lot, you know? <laughs> and, um, but uh, in, you know, like in the insure tech connect, which I, I think is another show, another show that uh, we're going to be doing the podcast from.
0: Yeah. So. We have talked about that as well. That's yeah. not for a few months. Yeah. It's, it's, it's,
1: there's a little bit of a, a wait for that one, but that's a, a really good show. But that, I think I only have three scheduled shows right now. Really? All the
0: way up through end of October. So elevate Alliance and. In- mm-hmm. That's total. Intra Tech Connect. Yep, that's it. Wow.
1: Yeah, I know. it's, it's, it's a we-
0: really different for you. I know. I'm going to lose
1: my American Airlines Platinum status here. I hope soon. you're okay with that. Aww. Well, it's it's that whole thing. You walk into um, a Marriott property or something. So I'm platinum on a Marriott. And they go, thank you for being an elite member. And I'm looking them square in the eye and goes, yeah, you know, that means that I stayed at your hotel for like 75 to 100 nights <laughs> in the past year. And yes, while I do appreciate, you know, they appreciate my loyalty, I would like to be in, you know, Dallas a little bit more often. <laughs> but
0: uh, yeah, so. No, I'm I'm looking forward to Tech. Yes, which actually I'm glad you mentioned that because I have an article here from PropertyCasualty360.com, and I love this title. Hey, Techs, here's why you will likely fail. Likely fail. First of all, they use the word likely,
1: yes. which which is a which is one of those uh, um, scapegoat. Words, you know, the weasel words. That's yeah. what I was looking for. It's a weasel words. So if they're wrong, you're he-
0: they're hedging their bets. They're hedging their bets. So right.
1: you know what? If you're going to make a statement, make a
0: statement. You know? <laughs> All right. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So this author says there's some clear signs of potential failure despite the massive amount of money that is being poured into insure tax and has been for the last, uh, what, the this has been going on like, three years now?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, three or four years.
0: Yeah. So the f- the first sign, lack of knowledge of the insurance business. Okay, that's been a common. And I, I think I think we saw this a lot, especially in the beginning. I think we're mm-hmm. seeing this maybe a little bit less now that this has been going on for a few years. But yeah, people would come up with these ideas and say, "This is how I'm going to make it better," but they didn't understand the regulation the regulatory environment of our industry, or why things have been done a certain way.
1: Yeah, they, they, in in the, my speech that I do, the insure tech, what's working, what's not. So one of my one of my points in there is that it's uh, what, um, you know, I, we had a lot of insure techs come to us at the very, very beginning. They just got, you know, a million dollars. I'm like, ooh, okay, that's not going to go too far. But hey, you know, we'd love to help you on that. And, um, to figure it out and they go, I know nothing about the insurance industry and that's what makes me dangerous. Now what they were applying is what makes them dangerous to the insurance industry because they're going to make this massive change. They're, they're going to use disrupt (laughs) as their keyword. And, um, I not
0: tampered by legacy processes.
1: Correct. And then I go, well, you're right. You know, nothing about the insurance industry and that's going to make you exponentially dangerous to yourself and your consumers, because um, as we talked about last week, insurance is, you know, really comes down to ethics and trust. And so whenever they're going through and uh, talking, I'd be like, okay, well, you, you can't do this because of that. There's a regulation for this. And, you know, I, I remember whenever uh, Mark Cuban was down with uh, Adam Lyons from Zebra and they were there um, at South by Southwest a couple years ago. They were talking about, hey, we need to get rid of regulations. And, you know, Mark Cuban's really good at it. He he fights against the SEC and you know, having overbearing regulations is a problem for a lot of industries. And, you know, you know, they always a lot of the insure techs point to Europe where they have less regulations and there's much more flexibility for the consumers because they they've provided that. So it's almost like people are saying, well, if this is the way it works over there then it could work here in the States on that. The problem with that is here
0: in the States. We've got 50 countries. We have 50 countries.
1: Yeah. And those 50 countries all have different scenarios and roles. But uh, that is that is one of the, the biggest things. Now, one of the things that I see changing is you're getting – the big investors in suretechs right now is not some Silicon Valley-based private equity firm. They are more established insurance companies. Who are doing this for? Um, y- you know, they 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 have all these coffers, and generally they invest in, you know, funds, mutual funds, uh, you know, private sector, all that type of stuff. They're looking at it going, okay, well, we have this money, and we can become our own effective private equity, insure tech funding, as the insurance industry is being in the insurance industry. So a lot of the insure techs are now have a lot more. Real life experience in there that they have people who have been in the insurance industry and understand it, understand the rules, and they're tasked with the same goal of try to do this differently. Right. So there.
0: yeah. Point one. Point one. So sign number two: lack of understanding of the economics of insurance. Yes. Um, that that's a that's a pretty. What does it say it on that? It says you can't charge as much for your product as you might think. There just isn't enough margin.
1: No, there's not enough margin. And as any insurance agency could tell you or any whoever is that, um, you don't, your cost of acquisition generally is not recovered or recouped in the first year. Right. Is that, uh, it's about retention and whenever someone comes into the industry, they look at things going, I have a better way to sell. Well, selling insurance rarely will cover your cost of acquisition up front what you where you make your money is long term retention that's right. how every business should be i mean any business that it'd be great to recoup your acquisition cost in the first month but Doesn't reality happen. is it's 6 6 months to a year for any real real business um unless you're you're selling a, a good Uh, a a solid good, but like a software as a service or as a, um, an insurance product or something that's a little less tangible, then yeah, you've got a cost of acquisition. You don't have loss leaders. You can't get them in. You can't offer discount pricing. So your, your options are a lot more limited. You can't say today, only 20% off your insurance. If you come in today to drive sales, you can't do that. You can do that in Europe, by the way, but you can't do that here. And, um, you know, so a lot of the sales tactics that do work, you know, call today, get better pricing, first 50 callers gets this or whatever it is, those, buy one, those, get one. Yeah. Those, those, you know, those, those really jackass slimy, um, uh, you know, sales techniques, they work. That's the thing that bugs me is that there's a reason that robocallers continue, Mm-hmm. There's a reason that, uh, you know, the, uh, as seen on TV, if you order now, you get this extra thing where you have to pay $19 of shipping and handling for a $5 product. Um, but if you do it, you get two. you buy one free, you get one free and all that type of stuff is that it works and people need to remember that. And we talked about last week is that you have to sell on price, but, uh, or, um, market on price, but sell on value. And it's the same thing.
0: Yeah. So sign number three, failure to recognize that the cost-benefit analysis is a long-term return for a carrier.
1: What else does it say on that, though?
0: So it says, imagine that as an insurtech, you have a amazing product that will reduce losses. That carrier has to spend money on the first day to get that product, has to spend money to get that product ready for implementation, and then has to spend money to roll it out mm-hmm. for first a pilot and then – You know, a a bigger rollout.
1: And insurance carriers uh, move
0: quickly. Right. So (laughs) it takes time to get to a critical mass of benefit for a carrier's clients. And that can be a huge amount of cost up front that they're going to have to eat on a product that, again, doesn't have much of a margin.
1: Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head on the, the margin is that the margin is all, I mean, whenever we are talking about loss, loss ratios of, you know, everything just hovers right around 100, you know, you get a couple of points below, you're doing great. You got a couple of points above. eh you're, Probably still doing pretty good because your investments. You know, you you have a, a bad month, you have a cat loss or something like that. Then all of a sudden, yeah, you're not doing as great. You, you know, things get a little rough. But um, the, it's always a squeaky fine line, and that's that's why I also talk about that uh, insurance is gambling. It, it, it for an insurance carrier, insurance is gambling. Is that you are effectively pay, playing craps. You have no control. Some other shooter that's out there rolling the dice. Mm-hmm. They're the ones driving the car. They're the ones owning the house, and you know, and you know, even even you got the God Almighty above you, you know, you know, throwing down hail balls and and uh, floods to to make things happen. Is um, you are what you were looking at is going. I'm going to play the odds perfectly. That's what underwriting and actuarials are all about, is that they're going, okay, based upon all this history, I'm going to play the odds perfectly. And that's how you are in craps, or if you're perfectly playing blackjack, is that you're working percentage, um, you know, uh, tenths of percentage points advantage over the house. And that's what insurance is all about, is right. it's gambling. Because, you know, um, there was a couple insurance uh, with the hurricanes that came in uh, last year to Texas there were a couple of insurers that just, you know, a couple of years ago, they just kind of pulled out of the Houston market, you know, market conditions weren't right for them. So they actually didn't have a lot of customers there. And so they had, you know, they're like, yeah, we, we barely had any losses. We had barely had any claims and they're, they're full service policies. These aren't, you know, just liability only type things. These are full coverage policies. And, um, you know, it, they had a great year. Everybody else in Texas didn't, you know, a lot of people in Texas didn't because they were focused on a different area of the state and that made them safe. It was a gamble because a huge hailstorm could have come through Dallas and, you know, did as much, if not more damage than what could have happened down in Houston.
0: Yeah. So, Yeah. Number four. Number four. Sign number four that InsureTech is going to fail. They're running out of cash.
1: Yes, um, that's you know. There's an outside looking in type of uh, thing here that that needs to be careful for the for the author of this. Is that um, there's been less investment in insure tech over the past one or two years, but it it's not really. It doesn't really have anything to do with. That um, you know, there's there's not any new ideas or anything like that. A lot of the ideas are still in process. They're being built. They're well, kind it's of in just that because
0: system. carriers don't buy quickly, correct? Which we've already talked about. Like they they just take it takes time to get a carrier to move, mm-hmm. especially introducing something new into their their process. Yeah. And that's, uh, it, but also it takes time to sell it time. It
1: takes time to create. It. So there's right. ideas, there's fantastic ideas. I have seen some of these ideas that they're in the implementation phase or they're about to go um, into production or they're in the development phase that is really good. But the insurance industry, when it comes to auto and property, they're pretty basic, you know, they, they, it's a very well-known, well, uh, you know, well-documented industry that has a trove of information. And so really the insurtechs that have done well have gone, okay, well, there's this one little facet that I recognized whenever I was working at this company that we could improve upon mm-hmm. by using technology. And generally they're startups. But um, for example, uh, Liberty, I believe it's – it's Liberty or Safeco. I think it's Liberty same company, but I believe it's Liberty. They have a program that they are actually trying to, you know, they are out in um, colleges trying to get people that are getting AI degrees and computer data science degrees and all these things because they're going, all right, let's get them in so that they're thinking of these new ideas because people go to college, they come up with some new idea, some new way of doing something and they're able to bring it to the industry. But as we talked about last week is that a lot of the insure tech investment coming in right now is coming directly from carriers because of that same thing. Right. And so, you know, whenever people say that less money is coming in, A the money is uh, not coming in because it's already been put into it, and those 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 functions are building. Those those are they're in stealth, incubator, whatever those type of phases are. But then they also look at it that the investments from the carriers, well, they could just be seen as normal carrier investments. But what's really happening is the carriers are investing in insure tech related items, or the what would be
0: deemed if it came from a startup as an insure tech. Right. And I think those are when you look at ones that are going to fail and one doesn't like succeed. I think those are going to be the ones that are more likely to succeed, Correct. ones that are partnering with with carriers or that carriers are investing in.
1: Yeah, and you know, uh, insuretech really started off with a disru- uh, disruption of the um, sales channel. And you know, I I still to this day always tell people the people making money in the InsurTech area are the lead providers, right? Because they, they get paid for something that they've generated. They can find a unique way to generate it. And that's happened to a few of the, the big lead providers out there. They figured out an algorithm change and they got a boatload of traffic on those things and they made a lot of money. Yep. But then that algorithm changes or something changes or that special sauce is now everybody goes, oh, that's how they did it. Then all of a sudden everybody's doing it. And yep. then you have to then, you know, you might have been in the, the blue water and then all the sharks came over and then became and now you know you're in the red you're in the red water all
0: right which actually kind of t- dovetails into this next line is that the product isn't actually any better than what is out there already and she's saying you know some things are cool and different and some just aren't that much better especially in the area of distribution that if you have a direct sales website that is nothing new compared to what's already been around for the last 20 years. It's just got a better UI. That's, that's not really changing the game. Correct.
1: And again, it, it goes back to just, that's a unique way to, to, you know, gamify or whatever it is to get that lead in the door. And, you know, anybody that's doing that and it, it it leads me to question is like, why is a lot of carriers looking to go direct it? You know, we've seen it not work. And, you know, what is going to be your special sauce? What is going to make you different in this industry? And that's one of the first things I ask insure I ask carriers that are talking about going direct is what's going to make you unique. And then they, they always come back to their product. They always think the product is what makes them unique. And I'm like, well, yeah, that that's unique. But that's something that's already offering now. What is going to be your value proposition that is unique to the consumer? And That's why I think that. Really, and, and I've talked about this before, I believe, on this, this podcast, is that the in, in the insure tech world, we have the sales distribution disruption, the mm-hmm. change, and, and that happened you know three or four years ago, especially with how Google was looking to come in and, and all these people that are coming out there. There's ones, there's ones that are very successful, that they, they've created a market and a model that they know works, and they're following it, and it's working. But they're also not expecting to be the next billionaire. They're, they're going, this is what we want to do. This is why we want to do it this way. And they execute on that plan, which is good. Then you have a lot of the insurtechs, which you brought up earlier, that are more process-related, back-end-related, that are more – um you, you know that they're they're that, that takes time to implement it or it's something that deals with claims underwriting better understanding all the stuff that is not seen in the distribution channel and you know I will always say that the best distribution channel out there is independent agents they're the lead providers they're the best lead providers in the industry and so really you know I, I think that insurtechs have have hit have hit their stride I think they've hit it and this happened in fintech too with the check 21 act that went through in 2000 that allows the electronic presentment of checks Mm -hmm. and that take a picture of your check. I I did a lot of work in that you take a picture of your check. And then that is a legal document to transact a business transaction or a banking transaction. And um, you know, a lot of the people that were focusing on the FinTech, they're now gone because, and you saw the number of um, banks shrink, not the number of banks total, but the number of branch locations right. shrink. You see a lot of them closed because technology, I mean, your phone can do almost everything. I never tele- go to the do. bank anymore. The only reason, the only reason I've been to a bank in, uh, first of all, I use an online bank and I can't go get a cashier's check in an online bank. So mm-hmm. I had to wire money to just a, a kind of a placeholder bank that I use and walk in there and get a cashier's check. That's the only reason that I, have needed to walk in a bank in, in six years.
0: I've only ever gone to the bank to go to the ATM to get cash to pay my babysitter. Correct. And I'm trying to convince her to get a Venmo account. So I don't have to do that anymore.
1: <laughs> well, there's so many, there's Zelle Venmo, there's uh PayPal, there's uh, you know, buy her iTunes gift cards. or. Whatever. I know, I know I'm, I'm trying to get her. So I don't
0: have to go get
1: cash anymore. <laughs> but uh, you know, to, to, to all of it is that there was a, a huge disruption in FinTech. It really disrupted and changed the way that banking worked and um, insure techs will tail off. It doesn't mean that the insure techs will die. Right. It just means the ones that are here will become standard part of the industry. Right. Now, the big transformative change will be autonomous vehicles, connected vehicles, all that where UBI is ubiquitous, um, where you're getting data because then you can take out credit score. You can take out all that. You know, I've got a great credit score, but. Frankly, I drive fast, brake hard, drive a lot, <laughs> drive when I shouldn't be driving, all that type of stuff. Text while you drive. I, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I've, I've been good. Go back to episode one. We talked about that. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. I've I've been become really good about that. And I was actually thinking about it driving in today. So, oh. but uh, yeah, okay.
0: So uh, she, final sign. Final number six. Number six. All right. Investors, your investors don't understand the industry, so she talks about the difference between smart money and dumb money. Smart money being from investors who understand your business or understand the industry and can help you, the insuretech, with connections, advice, and how and how to cross the hurdles that are going to come your way because there are hurdles in this industry, Um, and the dumb money is really just. Trying to get short-term returns mm-hmm. on on their investment, and so they they don't understand the longer-term game. They're not that invested in um, true change and true improvement. They just want to get their money back.
1: Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I finished a book. Uh, I finished a book last week. Did you that's see the news? That? Yeah. They, they <laughs> <laughs> oh, Laird Laird actually wrote the book. What's going on here? <laughs> um, all, all right. right. So uh, the the book is uh, uh, Bad Blood um, by I John. Did see Carrey. that, and I,
0: I saw somebody else recommending that book too. Yeah,
1: um, it's Bad Blood by John Carey. and you and I had had long discussions about Miss uh, Elizabeth Holmes. Mm. Is that I was I you know I was this was before all this came out. I asked you because you and I got in a discussion about it because you were like, hey, you know, she's a self-made billionaire. All this type of stuff. And, you know, it was, we, we remember talking about this yeah. and I was like, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know. And then probably less than like, uh, I think it was four or five months later. Cause I actually tweeted about it. I was like, I, I don't know about this, Elizabeth Holmes. And then that September of that year, uh, John Kerry, of the, um, of wall street journal comes out with that blockbuster, um, report. Right. And then a whole bunch of follow ups, days, days. I mean, he had a new follow up every day, then a week, and then months. And then, I mean, this this was an exploding story. And the real thing hits directly to this point. It's called Bad Blood, uh, you know, uh, Lies in Silicon Valley. It's Startups and the Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, it was intriguing because. It hits to this point exactly is that they purposefully, um, this is Theranos, purposely um, shied away from getting any industry insiders to the healthcare industry. They had nobody on their board that had any history with that. They um, any that someone came in that had any you know history to it they um you know either forced them out the door or wouldn't hire them they had all these you know they had all this tight security and really it was a massive multi-year fraud and mm-hmm. lie is that they never had a working device they never had anything working and that's really a problem that is that is with any venture capital or private equity company is that if they're investing in an industry that they have no knowledge on, they need to keep their finger on the pulse of what's going on with that. Right. And you know, the reason why I say it that way is that, yeah, you can always just hold them to numbers. You can say, Hey, you got to hit your numbers. Here's your numbers and all that. And that's what they expect to see. But that's not where a good VC or private equity brings their value is that their value goes above and beyond just money and financial stability or whatever it is, it, it's their contacts. It's who's around them. Who can they bring in? What ideas can they bring in? Um, you know, they're going to be wrong. Sometimes they're going to say, Hey, you should do this. You are like, ah, we should probably try to do it this way. And, but there it, it's good to have that back and forth discussion. And the, the, the main piece on this is that there was a, at the time, and it's really changed since there was a lack of oversight because it was just mad money. Interest rates were low; you could go out and do all this stuff, and um, they they just let her run and lie, and she did lie. I mean, she she knew she was completely um, she knew exactly what she was doing. She was preventing. She was she's culpable through the entire thing, and you just can't lie. I and you know I'm. I've come from a long line of insurance software, or I mean, not insurance software, but software people. And I did sales support for a major bank software company. And, you know, it was always unique whenever they would sit there and sell vaporware. But so I don't, it's just something that I don't, I don't believe in. I don't, I don't believe in saying, Hey, do this. Just come out right and say it. You know what? No, we do not have this, but we know exactly how to code and develop it. And we can do this that's what needs to happen is you have to be honest. And, um, a lot of the insurtechs they have this, you know, pie in the sky type of idea that it's like, it's a great idea, but now you got to execute it. You got to do it. And they don't have the right leadership to do it. And that's, it's, it's really unique. You brought that up after I finished that book last week. It's, yeah. it's, um, because it's, it's absolutely the case is that the money needs to not just be blind money. Um, I could see money being blind, like maybe an angel investment right. that you have your your grandfather or whatever drop drop some coin on your business, and because you know he trusts you, he's trusting you. But you get into venture capital and private equity, and you know other, these other types, even crowd crowdfunded money, is that there? Ha- and that's why I would never do a crowd funded type of uh, equity. Thing. You know, like equity play on, mm-hmm. you know, something like, uh, what's that one where you uh, chip in and then they build something, uh, Kickstarter, Kickstarter. Yeah. You know, that, that's a little bit different, but there's these ones that, you know, like it's, it's mass group funding of private equity mm-hmm. or, you know, equity. And, you know, again, there's a lack of oversight and we've seen a lot of insure techs. They have great ideas, but they need that industry knowledge. They need some leadership with that money to make sure that they're doing it right. Because I can tell you the final thing is that a lot of people don't know how to run a business. Yeah. Sometimes running a business is not easy decisions. It's not idealistic of, you know, I'm going to change the world. You know, and that, that was one of the, the things that, uh, Elizabeth Holmes really talked about is like, I'm going to change the world. And if you are not going to change the world with me, then leave. And yes, that's a a really good rally cry. That's something that, that motivates, that gets people going. The problem with it is, is that if you're lying and it's not really the case and you know, then you're putting patient lives at risk, you're doing all this stuff. That's, that's not all right. So Having a rally cry is great, but having a realistic rally cry is even better.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Who wrote that article?
0: Her name's is Carlin Carnahan. She's the head of the Americas and the Property Casualty Division at Sealant.
1: Nice. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a good article. It's very it's, – it's cogent. It's sound. It's definitely how the industry um, – how insure techs are, are out there. Yeah. But – I'm wondering on the is 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 her thesis actually said that they'll likely fail.
0: <laughs> well, I think she's saying if if you if this applies to you, you are probably not going to be around. But if you want to survive, if you want to to do what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. you know, find a way to get industry expertise and knowledge imparted in, in in your business. Conserve your cash and don't chase dumb money.
1: Yes. But you know, the, the, the lack of chasing the money has actually comes back to being able to do business, right? Is that if you have a sound business plan and you have, this is what I need to do. This is how much it will cost. And you know, when we look at budgets and all that, it's always, well, okay, well, that's not budgeted. Well, crap. All right. Well, we have three options, do it and suffer do it on credit effectively. All right. Well, we, we feel that we're going to gain based upon this change in our budget, even though it's over budget. We feel that we're going to make it up or you just say no. And, um, you know, you see a lot of startups uh, that go out and buy brand new cars and, you know, they, they live that lifestyle. They look really good, but you got to remember. Hewlett Packard, Apple, Microsoft, they started in garages and and back offices, right? They lived lean. They had an idea. They executed on that idea and, you know, they had some bumps in the road. Um, they, you know, Apple should not have survived. Um, if Apple had not, um, you, you know, really capitalized on, you know, really they didn't create the smartphone. What they did is they did the consolidated app store. Mm. That's they made apps easy. That's what made Apple, not the iPhone. People the iPhone was done. I mean, you had other phones that were full screens, touch screen keyboards. Well,
0: Blackberry. Before Black-
1: the iPhone, Blackberry was was the big deal. Correct. And you know, back Blackberry didn't have a good app store. They, you know, you could install apps, but they didn't have this well-rounded
0: app store. Well, you that- also had only a certain segment of people using it it was really just business people who were wanting their emails while they were on the go correct and
1: you know that's what apple saw is that
0: that was you know um
1: you know it, it was directed towards that market because they didn't make it easy for consumers to buy that and so what they did is they were just it and it wasn't even a new idea because for them because of itunes right this one you know allow, make it easy for consumers to buy music. That's what iTunes was. It wasn't the i the iPod or anything like that. It was a bit changing the distribution model. And that's why even in the insure tech world, changing and finding a better way to do distribution is better. And I think uh, our next episode, we'll probably talk about eliminate policy 2.0. Yeah. Um, not the one that's uh, at elevate, but uh, <laughs> the one after that, the one that's after that. Yeah. And um, so and and that's, you know, while it may or may not work, we don't know. Um, you know, I, I assure you that everybody's looked at it before, tried to do it. It's not a new idea. The, uh, the iPhone wasn't a new idea. The App Store wasn't technically a new idea. It's just finding a way to execute on that new idea and a new distribution for consumers to do it themselves. And that's what tech was always about. Yeah. So, uh, you know. But remember, if you're, if you're going to do a startup, you're going to do an insure tech, you're going to try to build this industry, build into this industry, you need to be um, cognizant of dollars and cents. And yeah. you always have to be uh, remind, remind yourself that the, that money won't be there if you don't execute. If you execute, you'll get more money. Unless you're a lying sociopath <laughs> like Elizabeth Holmes, it's a good book. You should you should read that book. Yeah. Uh,
0: I might have to. Yeah,
1: I did buy it on uh, Kindle, so I don't, I don't. know how you know. Now I can't <laughs> hand you a book and say, "Hey, call it. Hey, read this book." But
0: I am old school. I
1: prefer my books in most paper form. Pe- most people I I know are like that until they get a Kindle, and then all of a sudden they. Uh,
0: oh, I read books on my iPad. Uh, no, but completely different. I. I just can't. I need yep. a, I need a book.
1: Well.
0: Yep. So we're going to Elevate on Sunday. Yeah. And yep. I don't know yet what our, re- our recording episode, episode at Elevate is going to look like. Yeah. But, hey, if you're going to be there, find us. Say hi.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll just uh, um – um I think J- I think Jason uh, Cass sat up in the middle of the hallway last time. Did he?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So, I'm I'm cool with that. Uh, I don't I don't mind. I'll sit in the middle of the session.
0: <laughs> 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 Might get in trouble for that, but. Mm, yeah. Yep. Yep. So don't forget to subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, tune in. I think we're still trying to get Spotify. Um we will have links to the articles we mentioned as well as the book Laird finished um, in the show notes at com.
1: In two days, I finished it.
0: Um, that's impressive. Yeah,
1: I read fast. That's why I don't read a ton of books because I would just be blasting through books. And
0: I like business books. Sorry, okay. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's fine. Um, if you have a book recommendation for Laird or you comment on – signs that your tax will fail or succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, reach us at contact at insurancehappyhour.com or you can find us on Twitter. Laird is L. Ricksford. I am Becky L. Schroeder. Um, yeah. It's been fun. Thanks for listening. I am reading a book um, called "Before We Were Yours" by Lisa Wingate. It's a fiction, contemporary fiction. I'm not loving it, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I'm,
1: I'm. I'm debating this. Net. the next book I did buy was uh, Ernest Cline's uh, Armada. Oh, yeah, which is uh, Ernest Cline's Ready Player One. Which, which was really I read incredible. that one. Yeah, well, Armada is effectively the last Starfighter. Oh. You remember our last Starfighter? Yeah, I like you.